You are listening to episode number 99 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. Welcome back to week two in our Difficult Topics to Teach series. Last week, I kicked us off talking about five tips for how to teach biochemical reactions in your biology classes. And you guys, honestly, it was so obvious to me based on my regular emails and my DMs with you guys what topics you found the most challenging in biology and in a couple weeks when we talk about chemistry. But to be perfectly honest, I wasn't sure what you all would think about anatomy. I kind of thought it would be spread across the board. So anytime I don't know what to do about something, I take to my Instagram polls and that is where I get such great feedback from you all. And the overarching, resounding response when I asked what was the most difficult for you to teach in your anatomy classes was both the nervous system and the endocrine system. Those both came back equally as the biggest ones. They just felt like the biggest animals to tackle. You guys felt like your students were so interested and yet they they just had so many questions you couldn't possibly answer them all. You just felt overwhelmed by the amount of content that is in both of them. And so... That is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to learn how to tackle these two systems together, and I cannot wait to talk to you about it. Let's do this. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I am passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You are in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. Like I mentioned last week, today's episode may just be for anatomy teachers, but I do have something for all of you if you're still listening and not an anatomy teacher, and that is my Halloween free resources for secondary science teachers. They are available on my website. I will link it in the show notes. It's it's at rocketscienceclassroom.com slash Halloween, and I've created four of them. So there's one for biology, one for anatomy, one for chemistry, and one for physics, and I think these will be fun for you guys to use this month with your students. Now, again, like I said at the top of this episode, I feel like it was kind of hard to nail down one system for anatomy because so many of us teach this subject so differently, which I kind of love. Like, I think it's the beauty of teaching an elective science and a course that doesn't have like a true set of NGSS specific standards for it. There's a beauty to it there, but it also creates a lot of diversity in terms of how we're all approaching this. Like, I know that every chemistry teacher is teaching stoichiometry in some capacity, and every biology teacher is going to teach photosynthesis and respiration in some capacity. But with anatomy, you know, you just never know. A lot of people focus in a lot more on the anatomy and all the structures, making sure your students really know them. Others go a bit more big picture and lean to the physiology. Some of you don't even try to cover all of the systems. Others of you are like, we will get through every single system, even if we have to bulldoze through it. So I feel like approaching this subject... I do want to approach it a little bit delicately because I don't want you to listen to this and think I must do it Rebecca's way. I hope you don't never think that when you listen to this podcast and that you just hear from me, this is what I have found that I believe to be helpful or I've done this in my class and I've had XYZ success. So I encourage you to try, but if you feel differently, totally approach it differently. Now for some context, I am the type of anatomy teacher that likes to focus more big picture I have said before, 
on this podcast when talking about my anatomy scope and sequence, my goal and my heart when I wrote this anatomy curriculum was to engage students in the content and make them interested in learning about the human body. And the memorization of structures or the preparation of them for nursing school or whatever is really hit the back burner. Because to me, if I can engage them and get their hearts intrigued and interested in this content, then they're going to go on and take all this stuff in college later and memorize it all. Of course, it would help them if they've seen it before, which is why I do obviously still introduce them to structures. And there is a little bit of memorization in my class, but it's definitely not the forefront. I really want to focus on bringing the content to them in a way that's really, really relevant because anatomy can steer very, it can get really teacher-centered, lecture-based, and memorization-based really quickly if you aren't careful about protecting against that. So that's kind of my context going into that. That's how I approach it. And so that's kind of the lens with which I'm going to share these five tips. So my first tip for you is to teach these systems together. Personally, I like to group all the body systems by overarching theme because one of the things that's really important to me in teaching anatomy and physiology is that they don't see any system in isolation. Yes, I teach three concepts in my, I call it my control and coordination unit, and I teach three concepts in it. Concept one is the nervous system. Concept two is the senses. Concept three is the endocrine system. So you could argue that I am teaching them somewhat in isolation, but I'm constantly because they're all in the same unit, really trying to bring them all back together always. I've said a couple of times, like, honestly, if you want to like never write a test for anatomy, you could just make your test every single unit. Like, okay, we've now learned two more systems. We know five total. Your test is to write me a 3.5 paragraph essay with three ways that all five systems we've learned thus far work together to maintain homeostasis in the body. And, you know, defend those claims with evidence and reasoning from what you've learned in this class. And then just keep adding on to it. Like, I just really think these systems integrate so well. And I think it's important for students to see them and learn them together so they don't just think it's all up to one thing. Like, that's why I love the nervous system and the endocrine system going together. I know some teachers don't even teach the endocrine system, which like, oh, I love the endocrine system. I think it's so important and it's so practical, which we'll get to a little bit later in this episode. But I think it's really cool to talk about them together, to talk about they ha- they both have different roles. Nervous system is using action potentials and neurotransmitters to create these immediate short-term responses and communication, whereas the endocrine system is releasing hormones in the blood, and there's a more of a delayed response. We're looking at long-term responses here, but together, they're both working together to regulate, to integrate, to coordinate, and just to overall control your bodies. And it's overall functions, but on this really microcellular level, which I think is really cool. So that's my first tip. If you're not teaching them together, or if you're listening, you're like, I've never gotten into the endocrine system because I save it for the end of the year. I feel like most teachers teach nervous systems somewhat early. Like you probably started with some intro unit and then you're getting into skeletal muscular. A lot of teachers do integumentary at the beginning of the year too. I like it at the end of the year personally, but then you get into control and coordination. I think a lot of teachers are hitting it around mid-year your nervous system, throw endocrine in with it and now call it your control center or your control and coordination unit like I do. I really encourage you to think about doing them together that way. My second tip for you is y'all, please take the pressure off, okay? It isn't all up to you, okay? A lot of the feelings that I was sensing through my DMs and through the way that you guys were writing to me about this was, you know, a little bit of defeat like a little defeatism and just overwhelmed. Like 
your students have so many questions and you cannot answer them all. And it's kind of overwhelming. And it, it, this is hard, confusing stuff. And y'all, you're right. This is hard. And let me remind you of the obvious is that you and I are not neuroscientists. We are not endocrinologists and it's not our jobs to be. So it's not our jobs to answer all these questions. I think it's so common as science teachers for our students to think we're doctors. And maybe some of you are doctors listening, which like amazing. But you know, it it becomes anatomy, especially can become like a health class where they're like, what's this like mole on my arm? Do you think it's, and you're like, I I don't know. I didn't go to medical school. Most of you listening probably didn't. You know, maybe you were a pre-med major like I was at one point, but that's not the case anymore. Like, and then I even think of my sister. My sister is a vascular surgeon. She could come and knock the socks off teaching about the circulatory system, but she could not answer all these questions about the nervous system and the endocrine system. That's not her forte. So I just want to encourage you, like you don't need to be responsible for answering all of the questions. And it is a service to our students to equip them to find the answers to their own questions and to create space for them to do that, which we'll talk about in a second. But I just want to encourage you that this is hard. And also this is a beautiful unit and opportunity to focus on the nature of science, which is that it's ever-changing, ever-evolving. We're always adding to what we know about things. Like what we are teach- we can teach our students now about the endocrine system is so much more than was taught about the endocrine system when I was in high school. Okay, I don't even know if we talked about it then because so much was still lacking. Or I even think about when we were walking through our infertility journey and we were to meet with a reproductive endocrinologist who you would think would be the specialist in this. There's still so much they don't know about the hormones around the reproductive system that create you know, what we got, which was unexplained infertility diagnosis. There's no reason why this shouldn't be happening from a chemical standpoint. So I just want to encourage you that even the professionals don't have all the answers. And this is a beautiful time to humble ourselves and admit that we don't have all the answers and equip our students to find the answers. So I just want to encourage you to take the pressure off on that. This is hard stuff. And again, like you could make all of your slides and then in two years, we know so much more about the fight or flight response that then things can get added to it. And, you know, so take the pressure off. Another thing I'll say with this is this is a great opportunity to bring in a special guest speaker. If that is something you have the capacity to do, like bring in a neurologist bring in an endocrinologist, bring in a functional nurse practitioner or someone who practices functional medicine and who has done a lot of this like hormone-based research. There's so many cool things they can learn about. As someone who had to be personally frank with y'all, not to like tell you TMI that you're like, please get out of here with this. But after our third was born, I had serious digestive issues that started after delivery. And I saw gastroenterologists Like I saw so many specialists, obviously my primary care physician, so many tests, scans, you name it. I had it to try to figure out what was going on. Eventually they were like, it's probably just your hormones recovering. It'll probably take a year to recover. But I was like, I'm so ill. (laughs) Like, I don't know mentally if I can do this for a year. Saw a functional practitioner who was more naturopathic and really learned a lot of things about my hormones and got them regulated. And I feel like 100% normal now. And I'm like so grateful. But that's where I'm like, this is a cool opportunity to bring in a diverse group of medical professionals and have them answer some of these questions. So I say all that to say, went on that tangent because like I saw specialists 
four problems I was having that couldn't even find my answers. So take the pressure off yourself finding and knowing all these answers that your students have, okay? And that kind of leads me into my third tip for you is rely on research. You don't have to answer every question and it's totally okay to stop everything and say, let's find it out together. But I think it's also okay to not do that for your students. I think one of my favorite things to do is I've always had like a mini whiteboard with magnets on it stuck to my regular whiteboard and I use it because I like to like move it around and stuff. But I would tell kids if they had a great question during class, And like, we didn't have time to answer it right then. I'm like, come write it on the mini whiteboard, which they would do. And then after school, I would add it to my like list of running questions and then block out a day in this unit where you're like, all we're doing today is divvying up these questions and finding the answers. And then we're all going to come back and share what we found together and kind of learn together round table. You know, you can make it a whole fun thing. Like this is the day everyone, we can, you know, I'll make a pot of coffee and we'll like research together. And it's kind of cool to be like, This is what you're going to be doing in college. Like when you have questions, or even if you don't go into post-secondary education, when you have questions as an adult, you conduct research. Typically, if you're like me with a cup of coffee and you find the answers. And I think that's also, there's a beautiful gift in teaching them to do this purely for curiosity's sake and not just for a research project you're doing and you have to write a paper about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Let's just give them the joy of research and teach them how to do it responsibly in order to find research on the internet that's actually reliable to answering their questions that they have on a whim. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. Okay, my fourth tip for you that I really want to say is focus on the basics. Again, you could spend the entire school year just on the nervous system and endocrine system, okay? But we don't have time for that. You have probably, what, three weeks max? Okay, so take the pressure off and like, eliminate some of the stuff you're teaching. Let's just hit the highlights. Like my kind of goal with the nervous system is like, I want to hit the differences between like the central and peripheral nervous systems. We kind of hit the main structures here, but like, I'm not expecting them to know like every single portion of the brain and every single thing it does. Like if they know like one flashcard worth per part, like I'm cool with that because there's just so, so much. And there's so much we still don't understand Like I was even thinking as I was writing out this podcast of a dear friend of ours who just had a baby who has frontal lobe damage when baby was born. It was a congenital thing and the the beauty of neuroplasticity and how the brain is like starting to rewire itself. And there's just, and they're like learning so much about the brain from this one child who was born with these abnormalities. And I'm like, how cool that we can discover these things. So again, like don't feel like they have to know like, pages and pages of information when that information is something we're constantly building upon. So I would hit those highlights. I do think it is really helpful to focus on how neurons communicate and how cells transmit signals. I think that's something that can kind of carry them into other subjects they might take, like, you know, an advanced biology and AP biology, that kind of thing that will come up a bit. So I do encourage teaching that. I actually have like a little inquiry activity I wrote, like a guided inquiry thing where students look at models and then answer questions and kind of it draws the information out of them. Very like Pogel-esque, if you know what Pogels are. I love Pogels, but I don't think they're all great. So sometimes I like to make my own and this is my own version of that. So I have one for that. But I think focusing on that is like a, it's a really concrete thing you can teach. I think the senses are kind of like, you can hit the highlights there. I think you guys know how to hit the highlights on senses. And then with endocrine system, I hit, okay, what, how does the hypothalamus, pancreas, gonads, placenta, and glands, like the big glands, how do, what do they do? How do they contribute? 
maybe hit different stimuli that can cause hormone secretion. And then from there, like I have an activity where students each take a hormone to research and they let us know what they can find about it. I really try to make this my most student-led, student-centered unit. I think it can, again, like I said, it can so quickly get lecture-based because there's so much content you could cover. So that's why I really want to encourage you, focus on the bake six. And then for my tip five, dive deep on topics they really care about for the rest and let them have the space to research those things. This is my most research-heavy unit of any unit I've ever written. I can't even do the math on top of my head. It's like I'm in the 30s or 40s in terms of the number of units I've written. And out of all of them, this is the number one most research. The, because again, so many questions, you can't possibly predict all the questions they will have. So why not create the space for them to find the answers for themselves? I do have an activity in my control and coordination unit where they're reading about stress and the sympathetic nervous system. I think that's important because they're all going to experience stress. I have a web quest about drugs and addiction because I think that is a super fascinating topic that traditionally the majority of students are interested in learning about. I have some lab stations where they do some like fun things to test out their senses. I feel like that's like very standard. Everyone has like a senses station thing. But I do, I, I, I mentioned the senses because I think it's kind of a nice break from all the information that they can learn in nervous and endocrine. I like to do the senses in the middle just to kind of break it up. It feels kind of lighter. But again, like I said, I have them researching a hormone. Early on in the unit, I have them researching a neuroglia and telling us like what it specifically does and how it transmits information and what type of information it transmits. And then at the end of the unit, at the culmination of the unit, I have a research project where they have to research a disease that results from a communication failure in either the nervous or the endocrine system. And I have a whole long list that they can pick from, but they can also, of course, always find their own. But I think this creates a really nice opportunity, again, for them to see the big picture, to tie this all in together, to see how the nervous and endocrine system work together. And then I also think we can learn a lot about how something is supposed to work by researching what happens when it doesn't work. And that's why I love this project. This unit kind of falls at the end of my first semester. So it's kind of like a nice midterm project almost before we come back you know, in January and dive into our transport unit. So I I recommend that. So those are my five suggestions for you. I want you to teach these hard systems together. I want you to take the pressure off of yourself and just remember it isn't all up to you. It doesn't have to be. Please bring in other experts if that would make you feel like better and more supported in this. Third, rely on research. You do not have to answer every question and you shouldn't. Let's, Let's get them to find joy in researching for the sake of curiosity and not, you know, because they have to make a brochure or a 3D model about something. Or if you're feeling overwhelmed by the amount of content, just focus on the basics and then that leads into five and then create space for them to research everything else. And maybe if you're like, well, I want to dive into a couple of things. Okay. Then dive into stress and dive into addiction. Like I mentioned, like pick those two kind of hot topics that these are related to and let them kind of dig deep there. The other beautiful thing about the endocrine system And again, why I encourage bringing it up early is you can bring it up again and again as we learn other future systems. I mean, same with the nervous system too. But that's where I think there's a beautiful thing about teaching them together. And you can especially hit endocrine hardest when if you can get to reproductive systems at the end of the year, really circle back to endocrine then. So I want you to take the pressure off there as well. So I hope you feel that way. I hope this gets you 
a little bit more motivated and excited to teach these systems in the future or maybe next week if it's coming upon you. And yeah, tune in next week. So I'm excited. If you notice, this is episode 99, which means next week is episode 100, which is crazy of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. So I'm going to do like an ask me anything episode based on questions I've been collecting from you guys over the last few weeks. And then the last two weeks in October, we'll talk about difficult topics in chemistry and physics. So stay tuned. And if you would like to check out any of those resources I referenced or anything else, you can find them in today's show notes at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash episode 99. And if you're listening, that means you're probably an anatomy teacher. And I would love for you to leave a review today and tell me what you love about the podcast. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to it's not rocket science classroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.